Hello, everyone, and welcome to Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens, and it's February. What better way to celebrate the month of love with our love for the arts? And this guest today that I have, I think, is a great example of his love for the arts. He dances, musician, photographer, filmmaker. Is there anything that you don't do? Please help me welcome Givchinda. Yay! Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure, always. Um, So Gift and I, I think we met through mutual friends back in, I think you were a freshman, I was a sophomore, and then we had a class together, and I was like, wait, I know him, and then we had another class together senior year, and then you were my bus buddy. We took the bus. (laughs) It was great. It was great. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start from the beginning, beginning. So where did you grow up for the most of your life? Oh, for the most of my life. So I am uh, American born. I was born um, in Indianapolis. And um, I spent a good, uh, a, a, good, a good amount of years there um, in a town called Brownsburg. And then had to move away and move around a lot. Um, I, uh, my family... If I'm being completely honest, my family doesn't really come for money, but <laughs> and so like uh, because of that, like uh, I don't know, it's just kind of like quite the life of um, just not really like it was stable in that like I never really felt too many pressures of being poor or anything of the sort, but it was just not really stable in like where I was living all the time. I was just kind of always kind of moving from place to another. And then I'd say, I always tell people that I'm from Colorado um, <laughs> because uh, that was like the first time in my life that I was like kind of stationary for like quite some time. I, I moved there um, when I was, I think I was like 12, 12-ish mm-hmm. and um, spent like, you know, like that eighth-ish grade year and up all the way to, to graduation um, and then found myself in Chicago. So why the accent? Why, how is that, how did that come about? So that's mainly, if I'm being completely honest, like I was, like my family is Nigerian. I've never really had like a very normal American accent. Yeah, I guess like when it comes to speaking English, I've always kind of taken on wherever I was living <laughs> mm-hmm. and like it kind of sticks here and there. So like my accent's kind of like a little bit of a weird um, conglomerate of like uh, American, UK, um, Nigeria, all sort of stuff. So it's always kind of a weird thing, I guess, for me. So when you were traveling around and not really settled were you exposed to art in different areas? I feel like I was a pretty artistic kid as, like, as a kid. Yeah. But I wasn't at the same time. I was very, uh, I was very active. Like I was very, I was quite the jock, honestly, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, um, I was, yeah, I was just very, I was, just, I was always worried about playing and having fun and things of the sort. And like, I would see beauty in things and stuff like that, but I didn't really, um, I didn't really get into anything like artistic until when I had moved to Colorado for the first time. But I think it was mainly because up until that point in my life, I wasn't really, <laughs> it's kind of weird. I, like I was, I was kind of like a role figure, I guess, in my family. Like I was the kid mm-hmm. and I was the kid. It was like kind of my job to not really care about too many things. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of go about life 
having fun and doing what what I enjoyed and things of the sort. But like when I had moved, I, before I moved to Colorado, actually, I had moved to Wyoming. And um, when I was there, uh, <laughs> there was, I was completely alone for pretty much the first time in my life. You know, I, as I've, I've always grown up around family and kids and lots of aunts and uncles and things of the sort as well. So um, there was always things like kind of keeping me um, engaged. And uh, yeah, I moved to the middle of nowhere, was living pretty much alone. And my mother was uh, working all the time. And I just needed things to keep me engaged pretty much. And that was kind of the first instance that I really got into the arts, I'd say, because uh, I would draw and I learned photography a couple of years later uh around that stage as well um that was also the first time that i picked up the cello for the first time and like really um just started to focus on things that weren't so active but very much like kept me interested and i had a lot of time to myself to like kind of mess around with those things so i think it was mainly because of that it was like um they became my refuge like the things that like i'm really interested in interested in now like I was watching random films like uh, like Step Up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like like it was like films like that that got me into dance to begin with. Mm -hmm. That like I would dance around the house and things like that. Or yeah, just random stuff like that. I'd say with music um, specifically, my mother and also one, some of my aunts when I, when I was growing up with them and moving around and all that. It didn't matter what house I was in. <laughs> Um, there would always be some sort of music or singing uh, going on. So I think it was kind of early for me when it comes to that, like my exposure to music and sound, even if I wasn't really, um, you know, like capable of articulating or, or like looking at that at a critical level. But um, yeah, for me, it was definitely like, I remember those as like my origins for why I love harmonies and things of the sort. Kind of it seems like you self-taught yourself a lot with at least with photography and learning how to play the cello. Is that correct? Would you say? Yeah. yeah like, uh, yeah, pretty much. Honestly. I like uh, definitely for the cello. Um, <laughs> the only reason I actually, uh, even fell into the cello is cause I had a friend that I was really close with at the time. He was like probably my only friend at the time. And, uh, I would always go over to his house after school to just play for a couple of hours before going home. And he was a violinist and he was quite like the prodigy type of violinist. He was really good. Uh, him and his oldest sister was a year above us. Um, she was also a violinist. And I'd go over to their house and they would just, uh, for the first hour of the two hours that I was allowed to be over, they'd go downstairs to their basement and just play and practice for like an hour. And then, and I wasn't allowed downstairs. I wasn't allowed to be around them. So I'd just sit and look around or like read or do homework or whatever and then they would finally finish come back up and then we'd go play on the trampoline for an hour and then, then i would have to leave and uh i hated it yeah, <laughs> I was like, why am i showing up to sit <laughs> for an hour and it really pissed me off like every day like i was just like why does he not why does he care about this violin so much when i'm here like yeah why is the violin and, taking over uh, me <laughs> Exactly. I wanted the intention, really. And so 
there was one day that we had a workshop come to our school where they're inviting like um, people to try out instruments and stuff like that. And I tried out his violin before and I knew I didn't like it, but I was still kind of like enticed. So I went anyways, um, knew I didn't want to try the violin, knew I didn't want to try the viola because it's pretty much the same size. And it was because I, I was uncomfortable holding it. That was really mm -hmm. why I didn't really like it. Uh, and that was the first time I'd ever found, like I didn't know a cello existed. I didn't really know much about classical music at all, really. But um, yeah, I found that cello and I was like, huh, um, you can sit. That's interesting. And I sat and like, you know, tried it out. And it was kind of, it was very comfortable. I had quite the knack for it. How old were you? I was nine, nine or 10. Okay. Yeah, nine or 10. I had, uh, did that and then they had actually had an orchestra. They tried to form an orchestra for the school that same year. And the teacher that was going to be doing it, I was really good friends with her son. She also went to, uh, the son also went to the school. And I don't know, I guess she um, kind of saw something in me, kind of like, you know, was giving me extra assignments to figure out. Oh, learn if you can play the scale and things of the sort. And I would have to go home and just practice on my own, which I had all the resources to do in that there was nothing to do at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of like the main like way I got into it, and and I I've never had like a like a lesson or anything of the sort. I was trained um, in piano at the same time in those early days, but I never really cared for it. I hated piano. I actually, it was actually another reason why I wanted to try another instrument because why did you hate piano? Learning. It's so boring. Like it was <laughs> it was very like as a kid it was very boring. Like to do the scales and the the very basic songs, and as boring as it was, it was also tough. So it was like, I want to play the hard stuff because I find the hard stuff interesting, but I don't have the tools to play the hard stuff because I'm like 10. <laughs> so it was like very frustrating. And I hated him. I was telling my mom, I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. But she was like, no, like you signed up for this. So you're not quitting. <laughs> and then, so finally I got a little cheeky, I guess, and thought, all right, well then what if, what if I just find a different instrument? And I just don't quit that one, but it's, you know, something that I actually want to do. And she went for it, so. And it's a cello. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. So besides music then, go back, going back to photography, how did you get your hands on a camera? What did you take photos of in the beginning, at least? My first year of high school um, in Colorado, I had befriended some friends on my soccer team. Um, that were really into the arts, pretty much. One of them was, was like a really good photographer. He was a junior senior at the time. And he was like really known around the school because he like won some weird scholastic award or something like that for, for a photography thing that he had done. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, that's super cool. Like he's really artistic. And um, I would hang out with them here and there. And there was one day that I met their photography teacher uh, Miss Martin, the most beautiful soul probably in this world. And I really wish I was still in contact with her. She was absolutely like a light. Like she was probably the first teacher I've ever witnessed that like genuinely like showed passion uh, mm -hmm. for what they do and things of the sort. And I was just like, wow, like what would it be like to take this and not sell by or some, something like that, you know? So I was like, oh, wow, like I definitely want to try this out. And, um, I took a class with her, I think my sophomore year. Um, it was photography 101 or whatever. 
she was very big on like kind of a, a mise-en-scene type of take where, um, you know, you, you definitely like set up your shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she was, uh, and she didn't care what we shot. Like it, it could be, it could be um, abstracts, like surrealists or like um, fashion photography. She didn't care. Just, she just wanted it to be something that inspired us. And at the time I was like one of those, um, <laughs> I was one of those uh, philosophical like assholes. And I would always just kind of like, I always loved having like discourses about deep shit with people and all that. When it came to like doing that assignment, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to like wow the pants off everyone and like do this really cool thing. I did the series. Um, it was, a, it was, a, it was a series of self portraits for me that, were parts of my body um, shot in completely black. Like, like the hand pretty much didn't exist. Like, it's kind of hard to explain. But um, like one of, like, I think the first shot or the middle shot was my hand, like my right hand. And um, it, was in the, it was in the form of like a gun um, and it was drenched in white paint. Mm. Um, but I shot it against a black, um, a black, uh, um, a, back, a black backdrop so that, you know, like my skin would blend in and all that and edited it to make it seem like it was just like a white um, floating with a gun figure. And then uh, the second one was with my hands up um, and they were also drenched in paint and edited the same way. And the final one was kind of like me from a distance um, also like, comp- like uh, pretty much drenched in paint and also edited the same way. And uh, I called it assimilation. And like, it was really liked, I guess. Um, it was like, uh, I, got, I got some praise for it. I guess I just kind of allowed that one project. I'd say that was the kind of project that like really kind of got me going. What was the inspiration then behind those first um, photographs? Um, so <laughs> my, uh, my high school experience was quite uh, particular for a black guy. <laughs> especially especially uh, a black guy with uh, a, a particular like a heritage background and all that so I had to I always kind of felt this way um, in various places that I'd lived in the US it's always eaten at me I suppose like underneath it all mm-hmm. um, and it, I guess it just sometimes comes out you know like that uh, that childhood traumas type of story <sighs> Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like, there was nothing particular, like, at the time that, like, was like, oh, like, this is what I'm going to do. And this one we call it assimilation, but it was kind of just, I don't know. I, I guess I wanted to um, allow a conversation um, if, if, you know, if people were interested in having it, that is, allow a conversation for something new uh, to kind of hit the surface because, I mean, a room full of white folk, you don't really have that coming to mind as one of the first things, but you know, it's just as important. Do you think that, uh, I guess race, this idea of race and racism and the black narrative is key, essential to your work or at least now more than ever? Um, I think it's now more than ever, definitely. Um, I think lately uh, what I've noticed, um, the identity that I've been really, really like, attached to i suppose in my stories the most have been actually more so delving into the lgbt but not just stopping at they are lgbt they're queer and also delving into 
those that are not white but still queer, because it's quite often they they take a, that takes quite the backseat. Um, throughout my life, I've always been queer, but I've never seen myself, even to this day. Like I, I'll get into a class. I remember last semester I was in a class uh, uh, about sexuality and religion, and uh, I showed up and I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, it's, it's really bizarre. I'm only seeing like gay guys and women, but at the same time, I wasn't reflect. I was seeing that I was seeing it all as other. Like, I wasn't reflecting on the fact that I also am gay. I was just like, wow, gay guys and women. I was like, that's interesting. And I remember like I saw one other straight guy in the class, and I was like, I guess it's just him and I. I genuinely thought that. And yeah, I just I don't know why that's always been the case, but I've never really identified so much with the queer community as much as I've just. I've just been gay. I've just been a black guy that happens to be gay. And I feel like that happens a lot with like, it's like in the black community where that's the case. So, I mean, it's, it's very, it's already been very taboo, you know, um, queerness and things of the sort, but how deep rooted it is um, or it can be at times. But yeah. I, I, uh, I, f- I find that, or at least it's just, this is just simply my, um, perspective or take on this, but I've always kind of found that like uh, when it comes to the blocks perspective with queerness, it's um, it's like uh, your environment sort of very much nurtures your mindset into whatever you allow it to. It's it's came the case that like there's plenty of um, there's pl- there's plenty of different sort of black people that you meet that take on one. Um, one character trait or another and they kind of fall for one stereotype or trope than another and there kind of leaves no room for the misfits in the black community and I think that's kind of um, those are like the most interesting people for me are those people that and it's this isn't particular to just black people but it's just particular to really people that come from um interesting backgrounds like it could be a croatian or things of the sort but i i'm quite the fan of um those that come from diverse backgrounds and um also live the same ordinary lives as all the stereotypes and I think in the eyes of Hollywood, it's always the case because they're just not the attractive type of character that everyone can relate to. But um, I think what I at least try to do with my films when bringing up such characters is finding that common ground in their humanity and the audience's humanity um, to where it's an even, it's another level of intimacy and interest out of the audience because it's like I would have never thought that I could connect with someone like this person yet here we are. Would you say that with photography or as an artist itself do you think it's important to generate a conversation with your work is that your main goal when you're creating art? Yeah I'd say so. Um, Maybe an uncomfortable conversation? Yeah um, I kind of strive for all of the above, honestly, it just kind of depends on um, how the wind takes me or where, where the wind takes me. And um, yeah, let's definitely say that. Um, I'd say nowadays I'm very much more open to kind of pushing the um, 
uh, agenda forward and having those uncomfortable conversations and kind of, you know, catching people by surprise and on their ass uh, mm-hmm. just because of the climate of things these days. But um, as a kid uh, growing up, I think it was me kind of being a rebel, I suppose, like me kind of uh, saying fuck you to the world that wouldn't openly talk about those things. And so I was like, well, if you look at my work, you're going to have to talk about this thing somehow. You're going to have to, because you're going to have to ask yourself, what does this mean and why? Why did he do it? Why did he do it this way? Things of the sort. And when you come to your answer, you can either choose to ignore your answer or delve in more. So, so at work. Loyola, you, correct me if I'm wrong, was it, you're major? You majoring in filmmaking, but also was it music theory or no? Am I just? Uh, so actually, uh, when I first went to Loyola, I started music. Uh, I came in as a music major and a, uh, a psychology major. It was a double. Because um, I was really, interest- I was really inter- interested in psychology in high school. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that'll be like the pseudoscience or whatever that I'll do with my backup. And uh, I dropped, like, I think that semester. <laughs> um, <laughs> you tried it. I hated it. Yeah, I was doing like, near, like a neuroscience track and I hated it. Um, so I dropped that almost immediately and then I was just music for a while uh, and then I added on a, a poli-sci minor I think it was like around my second year uh, that I had decided it was mainly because like I had realized that I had gone all my life very much into movies but not really knowing that I was quite the film buff because mm. it was like my family I always, I think that was why it's like, I, I always thought I wasn't much into movies because I hated the movies that they watched. The, the movies that they watched were terrible. What kind do they, they watch? Boring black comedies and things of the sort. I like, like Tyler Perry, uh, yeah, Tyler Perry films and things like that. I just like, I wasn't a fan of those <laughs> films at all. And like, I would always just watch them and know them because they did. When I kind of, started going like actually it was more so like in high school uh, i was watching you know more independent films and you know films that everyone else in the world was watching mm-hmm. i was like oh wow i'm quite fun uh and then uh so like that had kind of formed i guess my interest in film had kind of already formed in high school but then uh it actually got to uh, university and um uh my best friend uh, bahar uh, he and i had actually befriended each other through film because I was really excited to be to go to uh, the Chicago Film Festival for the first time in my life mm-hmm. I'd been hearing about it and always wanted to go yeah so Bahar and I we made a plan to go see some film like I had always wanted to go we ended up going and then that kind of formed a bond where it just kind of became a routine for us where we would just go to the cinema like every week when we weren't doing that, we lived in the same building. So when we weren't doing that, I was over at his, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was over at his like every night watching films and, and just talking about random shit that way too. My interest and also my intellect in the film world just kind of was like building and building and building as I was just kind of getting to know him in the process. And then, I don't know, I was just like, I was really interested in the other aspects of film, like on the creation side of it. Yeah, I just kind of went on a whim and was like, what's the school communications like? And uh, and I had also had been finishing up music at the time. Uh, like it was like my sophomore year, I was finishing up music and was pretty much done with my requirements. So I was also needing to kind of fill my time with stuff mm-hmm. anyways. And so, yeah, I had, uh, 
picked up on film. Um, I had also picked up a English minor because I was writing a lot and I wanted to get back into writing. That was like probably, oh, I never mentioned that. That was probably one of my earliest things. Right. Um, yeah, writing. Yeah. Like that was probably like my, one of my first, like, ve- like very, very, very early on in my life. Like, like writing journals, writing. poems, books, stories. Poems. Yeah, poetry more so. It kind of developed into other things um, as I got older. Wow. So uh, what, what yeah. films would you and your friend watch? What were some of the... Uh, a lot of so hmm. we were watching a lot of new films that were coming out at the time um a lot of dramas you know one of his favorites actually and also we were watching some older ones like um andre tarkovsky i think is his name is i watched some of his that's one of our favorites um watching a lot of darden brothers milchamanchevsky uh, Luca, uh, Luca Guadagnino, a lot of his films too. Call Me By Your Name was one of um, the first, I think that actually was the first uh, Luca film that we had watched, but then we went back to watch all of his others. Um, it was kind of a, it was really a film a night type of situation. So <laughs> it's more, it's easier to more to speak about like the countries. It, it didn't really matter, but um we really liked international films specifically. When you're viewing films, what do you like the most? And when you're actually creating films, what do you like the most? I think uh, for me, I've got like, uh, would it be a holy trinity? I'd say the camera work, the writing, and usually the editing. If I'm being completely honest, it's not too often that the music in films that I truly connect with, unless it's like something like ridiculously beautiful. But I think it's more serious because like, um, I've gone all my life trying to go out of my way um, when I'm not having an instrument in front of me to not be too critical <laughs> of music that I see in in the in the regular world, like outside of it. And so I just go out of my way to not, to just be kind of like another, like listener rather than like a critical listener that's worried about um, one tritone or another, things of the sort. I've always kind of um, had like this big thing with aesthetics. Yeah, I just always kind of, I look at things and like, ah, oh, it's beautiful uh, in that light. Oh, I wish I had a camera on me to shoot that and things mm-hmm. of the sort. And like in the film world, you know, it's all calculated. You know, it's all manipulated to be as beautiful as, as, the, as possible, like in their eyes and so, seeing those worlds where it's so it's crafted so um articulately that's always been very beautiful for me when you yourself are making film or short films or or what what is your i guess process and then end goal for viewers i think my number one kind of rule is to not tell too much in film show more than not and show more so than tell kind of give the hints um as to the emotions or the dynamics of uh characters and their stories with um surrounding them in environments that fit that fit that scenario so like if if it's a situation that like a, a guy is like on his way to his demise rather than showing you that in say a certain conversation or things of the sort 
it'll actually be more so in action that are happening all around him. It could be them um, interacting with their surroundings that's also dropping hints as to what comes next. And as long as you're paying attention, it's kind of, it's gonna become obvious to you. And then I usually like to sum it up with something that's very ordinary, like maybe a certain phrase, um, allowing subtext of whatever casual thing that person said to then come through to where it really hits you like, oh my God. Talk about some of your projects and that you worked on as far as film. My favorite that I've worked on is the one that I'm working on right now um, that I am planning on finishing in May. It's about uh, a young black guy that uh, basically goes on a venture across town uh, to meet for a hookup and uh, he never makes it. And the reason in which he never makes it is mainly because uh, he has a very sort of traumatic experience on the bus, um, on public transportation on the way over there. The film, um, it's uh, kind of a testament to the dynamic of uh, what the world is like from a uh, colored perspective, but what also keeps them going, um, what keeps them fighting, what keeps them alive. And that's kind of what this story is about. It, it starts off as um, a very in-your-face sort of drama, as if um, it's going to be a relationship type of film. And immediately kind of switches um, the second that this black individual steps out into the outside world, because it's quite often that that's the case. It's like you're, you know, you're in your bubble and you have your life, but then you know, once you're out on the street, you're in everyone else's life. That's kind of, at least with the writing, that's uh, was kind of the goal. It sort of uh, ends with uh, uh, leaving that sort of, I, I suppose, feeling um, with audience members reflecting on not only like this specific story that is um, a manifestation of a lot of stories throughout the country, but also the effect that um, the white perspective can have on instances like this. So you're basically in like the editing script stage? Uh, we're, we, we finished, uh, like the script is finalized, but uh, we're, we're basically breaking it down for production. And are you gonna film around Chicago or just specifically at Loyola or do you have any locations yeah. in mind? Uh, we're shooting, so it's being shot in Lincoln Park around like uh, Diversity. We're um, worried about all like the permits and all that for that. Because uh, also uh, it's going to be shot on CTA as well. Figure all that. What do you think your favorite part of this process is so far? I know you haven't finished it totally, but or what are you looking yeah. most forward to? We'll, we'll start shooting in about a month. Obviously, I think, I, I think I'll probably be most excited to walking on that first day i'd say if i'm being completely honest i'd say the one part of directing that i absolutely is um directing actors because i've always been very enticed by the art of acting and actors in their world i always like i don't I, like for me acting is like 90 percent of the film if i'm being completely honest if they're doing if they're not doing a performance then it doesn't matter about anything else. I mean, they go hand in hand with the script, which is also very precious to me as well. So yeah, I really like uh, 
the amount of power, the amount of impact and power that an actor can have. And um, I'm quite the fan of that collaboration and uh, pushing them to really like make something like fucking gorgeous. Yeah, like I'd, I'd say like just I'm the type of director that like, I don't like to just have a casting director. Like I want to be there. And like, I want, I want to see the auditions as well. I want to, I want to be at the auditions and witness how people take, uh, you know, take um, a little bit of instruction at the time or, you know, things of the sort. I, I like, uh, I really, it kind of gives me, uh, gives me a lot of pleasure. I'm excited. Are you, did you hire like legit actors and actresses or using people that you know? So uh, casting. Uh, it's actually ongoing. <laughs> it's actually ongoing right now. Yeah, like uh, it's a casting situation. Put up a bunch of uh, flyers and things of the sort around the universities. Getting one up on backstage as well to see if we want anyone on there. But like, uh, it's going to be a low budget film. Or at least we're trying to have a low budget film, but you know, it's as professional for a low budget film as possible. So that doesn't come off as just some random student film. But. <laughs> So okay. your film is uh, called Feels Like Home. Mm-hmm. You can donate to help fund towards food, design, and yep. location at GoFundMe.com. Yep. So please, please donate, help Gift and the crew help with this vision coming to life. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it uh, would mean the absolute world for me, uh, you know, getting everything finally off ground. And uh, yeah, all that's really left is just kind of, waiting for the money to roll in and then you know we're gonna start uh going into production here in actually like three weeks so yeah it's pretty exciting very excited for it all that's super super exciting it feels like yeah. home donate donate um so are you ready for rapid fire questions sure all right um favorite film or one of your favorite um, films um the first one that came to mind even though so I'd say it's a list. It's definitely a list. But the first one that came to mind was Before the Rain, uh, Milton Mantevsky. Favorite filmmaker? Oh, <laughs> might also have to be Milton Mantevsky. Another one. Oh, um, Thomas uh, Vinterberg as well, the Danish director. I'm very, I'm, I'm quite the fan of his. After seeing the film Festing, because he's just one of those kind of directors that. Uh, really pushes the borders and I'm really a fan of because I, I, I kind of want to be one of those types as well. Who else? I'd say uh, Godard, the uh, the Darden brothers. Mm-hmm. The Darden brothers I'm a very big fan of as well. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I like it. Very eclectic, very different. Favorite photographer and then favorite photograph? Oof. Favorite photographer. This changes a lot. I'd say my current favorite photographer, he's actually like, you know, alive and well and actually pretty young, um, Makai Carter. And I'd say probably anything done by him is probably one of my favorite photographs. He's, he's very, very, very good. Favorite song to play on the cello? Oh. <laughs> or maybe it's just improvising. Um, Rococo Variations uh, by Tchaikovsky. Mm. Who or what inspires you? I think anything and everything inspires me. Um, like, 
I could have a conversation with with a with a with a business student or someone someone that works in healthcare and they say something that inspires me somehow in some way. I think uh, I find my inspiration from the close people that I know that are close to me, um, those that are working in my field that are doing cool things, um, films that I see, nature, what happens on the street. Um, there's a lot of things that just kind of inspire me in the day to day. Yeah. Favorite art trend right now? This could be anything. Favorite art trend. Fashions and art too. Music, yeah. TikTok. I mean, if people are doing some cool stuff on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, favorite. I think I actually kind of do like the trend of TikTok these days. If I'm being completely honest, a lot of people have been hating on it. I'm personally not even on TikTok. Me neither. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I have been a fan of like, um, just like how, like connected. Like, it feels like the social media world is a lot more connected because of that app, mm-hmm. especially with. Um, like with the pandemic and things of the sort, it felt like that was like oh, quite the pioneer to kind of keep people connected, which I really like. They did a so whole I, musical about Ratatouille on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched a little bit because I was very intrigued by the, by the idea and it was really cool. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think, yeah, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of, a lot of good charm that comes out of that app that people hate <laughs> on. <laughs> What is the easiest and hardest part of what you do? It could be filmmaking, playing the cello, whatever. Um, the easiest part is the people that I deal with, I'd say. I have a very, a very nice, like, um, genuine, kind, like, just authentic circle um, that really keep me motivated and keep me happy and, like, keep me feeling blessed. I say the hardest is just, um, I say myself, like uh, I'm quite critical of myself and um, I also keep myself a lot busier than I should, I think. Um, and I'm always, you know, just doing something and then I'm naturally the kind of person that likes to take a load off here mm-hmm. and there too, so that kind of gets to me in there. But... Uh, describe your artistic style in three words or less. Um, cultural. Thought provoking. <laughs> that's two. That's two. Well, I'll hyphenated. <laughs> well, I'll give you one more. Cultural. Aware. Yeah, yeah. Culturally aware. <laughs> I'd say thought provoking. And what's the word for like a uh, for like a uh, non non mainstream. Non conformative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, non conformative. Yeah, that's yes, that's one thing. Non conformative. Yeah, definitely. That's I like those. I think those are very you. I think another <laughs> word, well, not so much your artistic style, but aren't you a minimalist in a sense? With yes, yes, very minimal. Yes, and actually, yes, that's also yeah, that's actually a very big one. Yes, I'm <laughs> even in my art, I'm very minimal. So we had um, a conversation once where your place, your apartment, is very minimal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I've I've got the essentials. <laughs> I've been con- I've been contemplating getting a couch. For, you don't have a couch? <laughs> no, I have like a, I have a chair. I have like a really nice like um, um, armchair that I sit in. <laughs> and, uh, I what really if you have people over? Do they sit on the floor? 
Well, no, no, no. Like, there's like a so like I have like a dining table. Okay. Um, that's like it's nice and you know it's very welcoming and things of the sort. So like people, we usually like that's usually like the chill area is like uh-huh. around that dining table. Anyways, but um, yeah, like I basically have like a mini reading room that like it's it's just a chair. A couch could serve as a gathering space, a dance prop, a yeah. film prop. <laughs> it's got yeah. many uses. Yeah. That's essential. <laughs> It's just that when I moved into my place, um, I moved in for a short-term lease. So I was like, oh, like, well, when I buy this couch, I'm going to have to worry about moving this couch or selling this couch. And I didn't really want to have to worry about that. So I was like, well, maybe I don't need one. (laughs) So I'll have the chair. This is probably not enough for a rapid-fire question, but what's a misconception about artists? A misconception about artists? That we don't care about money. <laughs> that, that, um, you know, like, um, so long as we just get our art out to the world, I suppose that, like, you know, we, and I mean, that, like, a, a definitely, like, you know, a part of that is true that, like, you know, to, you know, bring your perspective of the world to the world, you know, and kind of help it be a better place or help it with a new, um, uh, with a new perception that I may not have seen before and things of the sort it's definitely uh virtuous meaning in that but i feel like people kind of don't necessarily respect i guess the um the professionalism that is behind artistry and see artists as like professionals in their craft always until they're like you know the greats and like until they're like making millions and things of the sort and that's when it's like oh wow he's an artist or she's an artist or they're an artist it's always seen uh, as like um, a craft on the side or like a hobby exactly exactly yeah and um i think also people have a misconception that you can't really be a successful artist unless you're making millions as if there's not people you know like all over the spectrum when it comes to their money and things of the sort um you can live a normal life in the middle of Oregon or something like that and say, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an artist that's somewhat known or things of the sort and that's just what you do. So, yeah. I like it. Well, that I think is a wrap to our episode. Gift and I, disclosure, have had, I have had many technical difficulties. So we've <laughs> tried multiple times to get this interview and we we're finally there. <laughs> Thank you so much for dealing with all of this and for being no. a trooper. My pleasure. You can follow Gift on Instagram at Depp's Chin. You can also check out his website. Um, it's Depriere.com. You can kind of get a little more in-depth look at his works. And I will also be linking both of those links in the Artifacts website, which you should check out. So thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And everyone that's listening to Marissa, she knows what she's doing. She's a <laughs> beautiful person. Keep listening to this podcast. Keep supporting it. Oh, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Perfect.